Welcome to the Hidden Why podcast, episode 1093. This is my second interview with Robert Althaus, and we're discussing the field of consciousness. Enjoy. Robert Althaus, welcome back to the Hidden Why podcast. Great to have you here. Thank you. Thank you, Lee. I appreciate it. It's a pleasure to be back. I'm looking looking forward to this conversation. We spoke with uh, Robert back in episode 1092, only a few weeks ago. Check it out at thehiddenwhy.com. Uh, we discussed his book, Love and Truth, and um, delved into interesting conversations then. And uh, one sort of area that we didn't, we just sort of skimmed on was this idea of this field of consciousness, um, which I sort of relate to this this energy field that is is the universe um, that we all tap into and tap out of um, from time to time and probably conti- continually. But how would you describe the field of consciousness and and summarize this this topic of conversation for us today? Yeah, beautiful question. So just to set the foundation, uh, hmm. you know, con- uh, consciousness is everything, and you can uh, you you can imagine it having two states. One is unmanifest, and one is manifest. And so the unmanifest is what we call space or ether, or in quantum physics they call this unified field. It's basically everything there is uh, that's not of any matter or form. And then the manifest part of consciousness is everything of form. So everything that, you know, that can be a planet, that can be a star, that can be a tree, that can be an animal, that can be a human being, uh, anything that has form is manifested consciousness. And it's literally the unmanifested consciousness that goes through a transformation process and manifests itself in some some form. Humans just being one of them. Um, So we're a manifested state of consciousness? Yeah, we're fractal. We're fractal of this bigger consciousness. And... You know, in quantum physics, is kind of catching up to this and it has been catching up for this for about 100 years because Einstein talked about the unified field. Uh, David Bohm, who was a, a phenomenal um, scientist, he talked about unfolded and unfolded states. What he was really referring to is the wave state, which is basically space or ether. You know, a, a particle can be anything. This has been proven by the uh, Higgs boson experiment in uh, in Geneva, where they have a 17-mile loop, and they figured yeah. out there's these particles, these wave particles, that basically uh, can become anything, and that's quanta. So when you have a cell in your body... You what know, do you mean they can become anything, those cells? Yeah, they're called God particles. And literally, uh, referred to in science as God particles, because in the wave state, they can become anything. And... You know, your DNA, for instance, has 90% uh, overlap with a banana. And so for the most part, your atoms, your carbon, your your quanta is the same. It's just being expressed in a different way, which shows up like a form called Lee in a human being. Yeah. Now, when, when and when you strip it back a little bit and you make it really simple, it's like, well, well, how is this possible, right? But somehow, when... A giraffe needs to be born and formed and created, you know, two cells and, you know, an egg and a sperm cell come together. And somehow there's an intelligence somewhere, right, that knows how to express a giraffe or knows how to express an oak tree or knows how to express, um, you know, a fish in the ocean or a human being. So Hmm. there's an intelligence within us, within this consciousness that um, you know knows how to do this. There's also an awareness to it because we know from the most smallest, uh, you know, single cell organisms, they are aware of their surroundings. There's a there's more than than a 80 trillion cells in your body 
communicating constantly with each other. Mm. Now, somehow, if you don't call that intelligence, right? And 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 if they wouldn't communicate with each other and they wouldn't coordinate and they wouldn't, your heart wouldn't know what to do or your liver, your organ, if something goes off out of harmony, which is homeostasis in biological terms, your body becomes ill. Yeah. So when this, this communication, this interaction, this intelligence breaks down, we call in physical level, we get ill. Yeah. Now we see this everywhere in the universe. There's an intelligence to this universe. There's an mm. intelligence. There's a design to life. Mm. There's there's a way that this universe is evolving. Now, why are all these stars out there? Why are all these planets there? Why does the moon have a certain distance to this earth? Now you could call all of this random, but then when you go all the back to the beginning of the universe and you say, well, you know, a bunch of rocks just collided and somehow complex life like human beings evolved from that. That's a really far-fetched story, right? Hmm. So we have to kind of see and like the paradox in all of this is that we, because of our sensory organisms, um, organs, we really only see form and matter. And we think that's the only reality that there is. Now, um, uh, you know, Buckminster Fuller said, you know, that which we call reality is less than 1% of actually all of reality. Most of it you don't see because it's this unseen universe that is guiding us, that is, you know, feeding us information because we know that there's data in energy hmm. uh, because there's data in light. This is quantum physics. This is not like me saying something woo-woo. We know from quantum physics that in energy, in light, there's information. This universe is nothing but information. It mm. is one vast database. Now, one of the reasons that the, the, the universe is expanding, because you and I, every day, just imagine, we have 24 hours of experiences. Experiences are information. And so you and I and every other creature in this universe is expanding this database of information. Yeah. Now, we also know from entanglement theory that you can have entangled particles. There can be one particle on one end of the universe and one on the other end of the universe. And if you ac activate one, the other one moves. Hmm. So that defies the speed of light. So we know that this entire universe is connected as well. This yeah. is all quantum physics, by the way. I'm not talking hmm. woo-woo stuff and all this. You thing. talk about like light carrying information. How has that been proven, do you know? I'll tell you one thing that's been... Uh, it's a very interesting aspect. So there were some scientists, you can you can Google this, mm. um, that took a, a little strand of DNA. And they were trying to figure out why do we have this DNA? Well, we know one of the functions is, is it expresses our form. So this intelligence uses this DNA, reads it like a barcode, and then expresses it in the form. So when we're born, this DNA is in, in our first primary cells. And it actually is the architectural plan of building the body, yeah. right? And then they're like, well, what else is in this DNA? And so they uh, they, they went through these science um, uh, projects. And then they were like, well, it seems to have a storage capacity. And so they were actually able to prove that you could, like a, like a memory stick, you could download information. They downloaded a book on a strand of DNA, and then they offloaded the same book. So now they're like, wow, this DNA actually also has a storage capacity. Really? Now here's, here's, here's the wild thing. Then they're like, well, 
how much DNA material do we have in our body and how much storage capacity is in each of our bodies? Now, here's the, the, the thing that will blow your mind. So they started like researching this. And you know what they came up with, the, the kind of conclusion? There's about 13.8 billion years of history that can be stored in our DNA, mm. which is a proof of what Rumi said. You're not a drop in the ocean. You're the ocean in a drop. You are the entire universe. And your DNA has the history of the entire universe in it. Let's talk about that. So if you, if you die and your body decomposes, what happens with that DNA? Essentially, it would go back into this field of consciousness, right? This information would... It, it does, but, you know, if you, if you think about your body as being your human avatar, hmm. and so at your physical level, you have a physical level, you have an emotional body, you have a mental body, which is the brain that produces the mind. Now, the mind does not produce consciousness because it's actually consciousness that animates all of this. That's your soul. And we know this because when you go into anesthesia, right, what they're basically doing is they're bringing your mind offline. And now mm -hmm. your body can't feel because there's nothing to register pain. So it's your mind that actually registers all this. So when they talk about consciousness, unconsciousness in the human mind, is that kind of it's, different it's, from? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll explain that in a minute. And yeah. and and so when you go brain dead, right? Now the the body can be kept alive as like a vegetable, but basically your brain is not recording anything. But there's still like life force going through your life that can be sustained. Hmm. So there's got to be something else than your mind or your emotional body or your physical body itself that animates all of this. Now, what that animates is this fractal of consciousness that you are. You're an individual expression of this larger ocean of consciousness. That you mm. can call this your soul. Your soul comes into your body. You can determine, you know, if it's in the, in the moment of conception or three months later. I don't want to get into that discussion, but... Um, there is a there is something larger within that is timeless, that is eternal, hmm. that is animating this. And this is that part of you that leaves the body and then moves on and and, and chooses another human avatar as, as it reincarnates. So this soul is this eternal piece. That's actually who you truly are. This is the paradox, because we can't really see that thing. And we tend to identify with this human avatar. This human avatar that has beliefs and ideologies, that has feelings, that has a body. So, you know, we walk into the wall, we have, an, uh, we have a, a scrape or we break a bone, you know, we identify with that. Identify with that. But if that, that, soul, is actually is, not, if that soul comes down and then forms us, I guess then we form this idea of who us is or who I am. But yeah, as we depart, that soul goes back up and reincarnates into something else. It all, it all disintegrates. It's all the same yes. soul then. Yeah. It's all the same soul. And there's and there's there, there's a lot of study in the University of Virginia around near-death experiences. Hmm. Very interesting. Uh, people describe that there's been thousands of cases researched, you know, what happens after death. And these people have very similar experiences. Um, we won't go in too deep into that. But one of the things that, that happens is, is kind of this life review, which is very common in that experience. Hmm. And in the flash moment, they see their entire life as a movie and they see everything they've done 
everything they said, everything they spoke, and they see everything, including all correlations, how it affected other people. Yeah. And so it, we don't go to a pearly gates and we have a big uh, tribunal there with, you know, a, 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 you know, a gray bearded man sitting there judging us. Um, the universal um, description in these live near death experiences is that we review our own life. Our soul reviews our own life. And then, you know, from that, we take the lessons and we carry those, those into the next life. And this is where we evolve. And so what's the purpose of life? The purpose of life is evolution. Look at this mm. entire universe. What is it doing? It's just evolving. It's just growing. It's just expanding. And you and I are just a fractal of that. Interesting. So you can only imagine just, that to, to intensify and, and, and speed up exponentially as time yeah, goes but, on. That's the you information can, you that you, can, you can, take back in and I take back in and seven other billion people will eventually take back. In. That's exactly right. And so where is all this going? Well, what it points to is that this consciousness, and I, I like to stay away from these terms because people get, get you know, kind of, um, you know, wheeled into religious beliefs. But you could call this entire consciousness, this is what we could call God or Yahweh or uh, Monad, Oversoul, Supreme Being. You call it uh, Vishnakara. You call it, it doesn't matter what you call it. Like there's dozens and dozens of names for this across different cultures, religions, whatever, but they're all pointing at the same thing. And this, this grand, you know, infinite intelligence is having an experience through us, but we're actually an integrated part of it. Hmm. So if you think about, if I'm going to use the word God now, so God is this unmanifested consciousness. God is everything. And in, in Stoic philosophy, they say, you know, the, the all is not just in the all, all is in the all. So everything is God, everything is sacred, and God is having an experience through me. In my human avatar, I'm seeing the world in a very unique way, and nobody is living the exact life that I'm living because I'm experiencing as a six foot five guy with blue eyes that was born in Holland to these parents and grew up in this neighborhood and this house with these brothers. And I had these school experiences and this cultural experience and this religious experience. And I went into the world and I had all these adventures and you know, now I'm here. This is just one experience. And I'm, so I'm going to have a relative truth based on my experience. Now, if I was born in Pakistan as a, as a woman, I would have had a fundamentally different experience. If I was born in the Middle East, if I was born in uh, in Africa, if I was born in Australia, and I was called Lee Martinucci, I would have had a totally different experience. So you and I and everybody else's experience is always going to be relative, mm. relative to your, you know, but we're all, you know, in, in indigenous cultures, uh, even Aboriginal additional cultures, the notion is always you are the center of the universe. And mm. this is actually true. If you start thinking about it, that something is something larger than me is living through me. I'm just here having this human experience of gaining evolution. I'm, I'm adding. So this is why everything is always for your greatest growth, greatest evolution, and greatest prosperity. Because they're just experiences. They never like the soldiers meet. of consciousness just to bring back information to help it improve. Yeah, that's exactly what's happening. And so... 
if you take this a next step, which is in today's world, a very challenging thing to say because people geopolitically really want to be polarized. Hmm. But from this level of spirituality, there is no wrong or right. There's just experiences. Now, experiences are here, so we learn. So what happens when you're a young kid and you put your hand on a burning hot stove? Is that a bad experience or did you just learn something? Hmm. Right? You learned something. Not, not, not smart to put my hand on a burning hot stove. Hmm. So now look at the world. And we have many um, ideologies that are very divisive, that yeah. have winners and losers. We have many things we do to ourselves, including pollution and poor food. And, you know, we have violent video games. And then we wonder why we have school shootings. And we have a massive military industrial complex that produces nothing but arms and tanks and drones and, and all kinds of advanced ways of killing other beings. And then we're surprised that there are a lot of wars. Hmm. Right. And so. When you look at these things and from that perspective, you're like, well, we haven't clearly there's there's something is showing us a big lesson right now. What's happening in the world, because it's mm. a it's a it's a human catastrophe. At the at the at, when you strip it all back, all we're seeing is bloodshed and innocent people dying. Uh, just fear violence uh genocide and, and and i'm not picking sides on any it, it's just this is what we as humanity are creating hmm. and so when you look at it it's like okay is, is, is this really the way to go because we have a couple thousand years with you know barbaric and savage wars have we not learned right still have we not learned that that there there are other ways to do things Hmm. Now, what we have to do to get there is we have to let go of believing um, in, in many of these doctrines that separate us. Because as long as I think I'm different from you, I've created a conflict. Hmm. But when you strip it all down, just it, it, I'm not strip it down like we're all just human. Hmm. I can promise you if I put, you know, and not to be crude, but if I put two two dead babies next to each other and one is Palestinian and one is Jewish. And I wouldn't tell you which one is which all you see is two dead babies. Hmm. And that's where our commonality is as humanity. We're all just humans. We're hmm. all briefed the same. I was just in Peru. Nobody looks like me, but they're yeah. just the same. They're same hmm. like me. Hmm. Right. Yeah. What what do what do what does every person, every human being want? They want to be seen, heard, and loved. There's not one single person in this world that doesn't have that fundamental need and desire. Mm. And what does that lead to? Is we want to be happy and safe. Yeah. How does that relate to the whole field of consciousness? I mean, if we want to be seen, heard, and loved, seen, heard, and loved. I mean. Why is that so important when is it is it so that we can bring back a great experience to consciousness? Is, yeah, is it, well, is the, it just the, the, to satisfy our individual the, happiness and yeah, there's so so there's there's a beautiful um 
there's a beautiful saying, you know, Einstein was really a, a spiritual prodigy. And I love to refer to him because people, you know, could kind of relate to him. He was a scientist. So one of the things uh, Einstein said, yeah, the first thing you have to decide is this is a malignant or a benevolent universe. And this is a, a way to call it in a neutral way, right? So let's get away from the word God and just call it the universe. And we are all the universe. We're all the entire universe. And so, you know, if you look at it and if you think about it, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna read you something because this kind of summarizes it. This is from the introduction in my book. Um, love is the secret sauce. Love is the only answer. This is the only truth. And honestly, we each know this, although we might not live it. Anything created, empowered, infused, bestowed, encircled, or embraced with love inevitably heals, thrives, grows, flowers, blossoms, unites, harmonizes, regenerates, and creates effervescent beauty in whatever form that might appear. Hmm. Love is the sacred elixir of life itself, the magical energetic pixie dust of this universe, that which animates all of creation. Love is infinitely intelligent, wise, and powerful. And when we awaken to this remembrance, the nucleus of divinity deep within us is sparked and reignited. Now, I know that sounds really woo-woo, but think about it. When you cook food with love, that food tastes better. When you turn to your wife or your partner or your kids and you shower them with love, you pour love, love into them, what happens to them? They, they, they come alive, mm. right? When you start a new venture, a business or a job and you love what you're doing, it comes alive. It thrives. It starts to grow. It starts to, you know, emit that energy. Love the energy is what animates everything. Yeah, and it has mm. that intelligence in it. And so when you when you look at a situation and you say, "What would love do?" Well, love wouldn't like bludgeon other people or kill or offend or hurt or harm. No, it wouldn't do that. And we all know this. And we all know we've all met someone in our lives somewhere where maybe we did something wrong. Maybe we, we, we made a mistake. And that person met us with compassion. And it made an indelible impact on us because we thought we were going to be chastised or, or, you know, scolded or whatever. And this person just had compassion. Mm. Compassion emanates from love. Now, what happened to us in that situation, I can guarantee you, it shifted us. Now, imagine that your greatest power as a man, as a human being, as a woman, is to actually have that kind of compassion first to yourself and then express that into the world. Yeah. Now, that's how things heal, thrive, grow, prosper. Because there's nobody I've ever heard say, like, I poured all my love into it and it turned into shit. No, maybe it didn't end up being what you thought it was going to be. But I can promise you, when you pour fear, hate, violence, aggression, um, you know, being demeaning, if you pour that into something, that's like, you know, pissing vinegar on a flower. It's, yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. going to blossom. Yeah. yeah. It's just not like going to fry. And everyone can relate to this. Like, um, watching negative stuff, watching negative news, watching, you know, negative, whatever, consuming negative produces negative 
consuming positive produces positive. Surrounding yourself by, you know, well-rounded, yeah. healthy people that are driven in your direction will likely enforce yeah. that in you too. Um, whereas yeah. the opposite is true, you know. And and you know, compassion. You know, you know, Jesus said, right? Uh, you know, let the let the one without sin cast the first stone. That's a big one. But the one without sin cast the first stone. Mm. This was like there was a whole crowd and there was, you know, someone that was going to be stoned. And he said, let the one without sin cast the first stone. Mm. And and the and and the the notion there is like, are we without fault? Have we never screwed up? Have we never made a misstep? Have we never said something wrong? Have we never reacted in a way that, you know, wasn't that great or beautiful? Have we never cheated anywhere or maybe lied a little bit or, 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 you know, in my case, I was involved in very high levels of business where there was a lot of greed and corruption and malfeasance, you know, and yeah, I didn't do it directly, but I was kind of part of that machinery. Have we not all been there? Right. Mm -hmm. And so we could just be compassionate to ourselves and say, yeah, you know, I, I screwed that up. Should have done that better. And then you apologize and you move on. You say, okay, I'm not going to make that mistake again. Right. That's how we get better. That's how we grow. That's how we yeah. evolve. Yeah. But then to have the compassion towards other people is the next step. Because that's where our humanity comes from. Hmm. That's 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 What's... where you create an environment where people feel like they can actually be flawed and they don't have to be perfect. And because none of us are perfect. Yeah. And then on a geopolitical level, this is where you can have completely different discussions. And I know a lot of people are going to say, well, you know, this guy's crazy. This is not how the world works. I said, well, it does work that way, because if everybody, if all world leaders on the October 7th, the heinous attacks, the, the un, unthinkable attacks that Hamas did. But if all world leaders would have, you know, stepped in and said, no, do not go down this road of retaliation. Let's figure out another way to solve this. This was mm. atrocious. This was horrendous. Yeah. Innocent yeah. people were murdered and slaughtered. But do not go on a road we have to find a way of compassion because there's a lot of history to that conflict. Now, if all the world, instead of the U.S. sending two flight deck ships and show all their power and basically say, you can do whatever the hell you want. What if all world leaders would have said no? This is horrendous. This is heinous. This needs a response. But it needs a response that comes from love and compassion because it's not going to solve anything else. This has been going on for 70, 80 years. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So it needs something else. Yeah. It needs a different solution than war and armed conflict and violence. Mm. It needs another solution. Now, maybe we don't instantly know what that solution is, but we can say push the, put, um, push the, the pause button as all world leaders. And say no. Let's 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 mourn our losses and say what can we do here? That's intelligent. That we need mm. to solve this. So we mm. we prevent another genocide, another you know regional conflict that can evolve into a a world conflict. And in the meantime, you know, tens of thousands of people are dislodged, killed, murdered. 
And, you know, we're repeating ourselves. Yeah, 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 exactly. Now, what this is said, this is not easy we, stuff. You think we'd learn is, after many, many years. This is a higher level of consciousness. But, you know, Gandhi said, you know, an eye for an eye makes the whole world blind. What there, um, there, there have been very that, great, yeah. Do you think the brain is just a transmitter of this this consciousness? Like we just have this, you sort of touched on a, a point before about yeah. how everything communicates within us and, and everything communicates within the universe ultimately. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And without that communication, so we, we, there's we, no homeostasis, but there's got to be, um, yeah. you know, you can learn in the brain through a consciousness, like touch the hot plate, I learn, that's conscious learning, right? But then there's this level of unconsciousness too that, that we all operate by. Yeah, yeah. So... So the brain has a has a certain level of intelligence, and the brain is really limited from the day we're born. It accumulates mm. all our experiences. This goes into our subconscious, uh, Jungian psychology here, uh, very basic. And then we have a small part of our brain that's conscious. Yeah. Actually, that part of the, the mind that we can actively control and monitor the thoughts that are created, and we can change the thoughts that are created in the, mm. in the conscious. Now, yeah. the conscious brain is only about 5% of our brain capacity. The rest is subconscious. So it's it's out of our sight, but that's really where our main um, information goes. Now, to, get, to blow your mind a little bit, uh, there's something called a rectangular activating system. And this basically filters the information that comes in. And you, you filter about 10% of the information that registers on our, your conscious brain, 90% the rest still goes into your subconscious brain, which has an unlimited storage capacity and an unlimited bandwidth to process. Our conscious brain has limited bandwidth. That's why only 10% is registered. I'll give you an example of this. You go into a dealership and you decide, I really want to have that red Mini Cooper. Hmm. And now you put your purchase order and you start, you know, you're waiting for it to be delivered. Three weeks later, you drive around town and everywhere you see red Mini Cooper sunlight. You're like, what the heck happened? I just ordered a Red Mini Cooper. Now I see it everywhere. Well, by you committing to purchasing it, it became relevant to you. Those yeah. Red Mini Coopers were always there. Hmm. Yeah. But now they become, that's your that's your RAS, your retic reticular activating system. It actually instructs your conscious brain what to register. If you have very negative beliefs in your, in your mind, you are only going to be that 10% is going to basically grasp everything that's negative and a threat in your environment. Yeah. When that 10% is very positive, this is where mindset work really comes in, right? Mm. Is you're, you're just going to see opportunities everywhere. It's yeah. the same universe. It's the same variables out there. Nothing has changed. You're just seeing something different. Mm. Now, there's another intelligence and this has been proven by the HeartMath Institute, and it's intelligence of our heart. Now, our heart has about 40,000 uh, neurons, and there's actually more data going from our heart to our brain than the other way around. Our heart is actually a portal, and it's directly connected with universal intelligence. So if, when you have a precognition, intuition, a deja vu, or any of those things, this is your heart intelligence. When you go into a situation, you go into a room and, you know, some people call it, I just felt the energy or whatever. That's your heart's intelligence. When you go into a party and it's got a great vibe and you feel great and you're like, oh, man, this is great. That's your heart's intelligence, not your mind. Now, when you go into a boardroom and there's a sour meeting and, you know, 
you know, you go in and you just feel, oh, I, 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 I feel unheimish here. I want to get out. Mm. It's your heart's intelligence. Mm. So your heart's, your heart's intelligence has a language. It's called feeling, intuiting, direct knowing, and sensing. And this is very, very uh, underestimated. It's our feminine intelligence. This is our masculine intelligence in our mind. And since the scientific revolution, we're very oriented towards this rational, direct, um, you know, logical mind and ideas and dogmas and doctrines and all that. And so then we follow these doctrines and dogmas and beliefs and all that stuff. And then we end up justifying polluting the earth and, and doing all kinds of things that aren't really that intelligent, but, you know, they're conforming with our beliefs. Now, here's the interesting thing. This, this, I, I told you this manifest and unmanifest consciousness or reality. So the world of form is kind of linear for me to get from here to there. I have to walk there. It's linear. I can't just mm. transpose myself over there. Mm. Right. If I want to yeah. come to Australia, I got to jump on a plane travel 22 hours and you know i get off in sydney and now i'm in australia yeah that's the lineal world the reality the physical reality that we live in now when i told you this entanglement that one particle in the universe can be on the other side and they can communicate and there's no it's non-linear so our mind can process only the linear world our heart's intelligence is in tune with the non-linear world. No. The non-linear world is the rest. You can't see because there's no time and space in yeah. that world, hmm. which we know from the quantum it's field, true. there's no time and space there. Yeah. Right. So anything can be instant. Anything can be created. Anything can be, you know, retrieved from that field. This is when someone does an Akashic reading. They're basically reading the field. This has information. We know this. I mean, mm. there's there's a whole body of science around this. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. It's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. And so is, so we, we as humans, you know, to finish the story I mentioned mm. earlier, we as humans, we only discover things. We don't ever have ever invented anything. Newton discovered gravity. Gravity was always here. Mm. When Pythagoras invented, you know, or, or discovered the math that he explored. That math already existed. He didn't invent that math. Already there. He discovered it. It already mm. existed. And so now you can take that one step further. I said Steve Jobs with the iPod, a thousand songs in your pocket. That idea already existed in the field. And Steve Jobs connected with it. And then he brought it into creation through Apple and his engineering and all that stuff, but there was an idea that already existed in the field. And this is how you can know that if you have a really, what I call an intrinsically motivated dream, something that is truly in your heart, something that you really feel called to do, create or be, whether it's you know uh, writing a piece of music or writing a book like I did, or maybe starting a business or becoming a mother, whatever it is, it doesn't matter yeah. what it is. Hmm. If this is intrinsically motivated, meaning it's not extrinsically motivated, you're doing it because the world told you to do this. Your mom told you to become a lawyer because lawyers make good money and now you went on that path and you're miserable billing your life at 50 minutes an hour. Not saying that every lawyer is miserable, but I know a lot of them that are because they went on this path because they the world told them to do that. That wasn't their dream. 
Do you really connect with this dream? Hmm. And then I'm going to connect it with Einstein. It's a benevolent universe. If it's really, truly your dream, I promise you, you're going to have to gifts, talents, and superpowers and resources and access to do it. Because something wants to live that dream through you. Hmm. Something greater than you. That's not just your dream. That's a yeah, little seed. Uh, hmm. That's a little seed that you get to fertilize. Yeah. And maybe you have to gain some skills. And maybe you have to learn something. And maybe you have to kind of push yourself a little bit to make a few steps forward and actually commit some money or effort or resources towards it, whatever it might be. But that seed wants to sprout. It's dying to sprout. Otherwise, it wouldn't be talking to you. And when that seed sprouts, then you fertilize it a little bit more and you grow it. What do you do? You pour love on it, effort, energy, you know, stamina, grit, you know, all these yes. things. We go yes. through these experiences yeah. to go to, to build this experience. And then it's going to flower. It's going to blossom. It's going to grow into something. Yeah. Right. And maybe it's a thriving business, or maybe it's a beautiful marriage, or maybe it's uh, the kids you always wanted to have, or maybe, you know, whatever it is, it doesn't matter what it is. The universe is ambivalent what it is. Yeah. You just go yeah. live your dream inside of you because what the universe wants is the experience of creating it. The yeah. universe is actually not that um, all that interested in the outcome. We, in our material you know, world are really obsessed with outcomes and metrics and can you measure it? And do you not have status and rank? And do you make a lot of money? The universe is really much more interested in that creation process because that's where you grow. Well, the experience, if you ask yeah. it, it's very successful, almost every very successful entrepreneur. If you ask them once they've achieved the nirvana, right? And maybe they sold their business for hundreds of millions or tens of millions, whatever it is. If you ask them, what was the fun? What was like, what do you, they will all tell you. I remember when we just started it and we were just growing it. And we were like all these challenges that seemed insurmountable and we overcame them. And then, you know, we, 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 it was a journey. But the selling itself, you rarely hear an entrepreneur say that that was the highlight. <laughs> It was the journey. We've delved deep, reason. Robert, today. Consciousness. Um, and, and I feel that we've come to a level of inspiration and practical outtakes too from the conversation. So I just wanted to thank you uh, for coming oh, thank and you. sharing. Um, I can see you're very passionate about this. And I, I really did get a lot out of it. And I hope the audience did too. I'm sure they will. Um, guys, we'll stick the links in there to Robert so you can reach out to him, connect with him, um, and definitely pick up a copy of his book. I'm sure you'll enjoy the read there as well, Love and Truth. Robert, thank you again for coming on the show. Uh, thank you, Lee. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Uh, you know, you let me talk, I, I go. So yeah. <laughs> I'm passionate. I'm, this is what I'm passionate about because I, I I, really, you know, my greatest passion is to show people how powerful they are. Mm. Yeah. Everybody is so much more well, powerful I think you've done that than, today. They, mm. than they realize. You yeah. are, every single one of us is an absolute powerhouse and every single one of us has beauty inside of us. And it's like, how do we get this beauty expressed into the world? Whatever that beauty is, whatever talent that is, I don't care what it is. Be a master carpenter. That's beautiful. Or, you know, build an empire. doesn't matter. Yeah. It's just parse that beauty out of you. And, uh, and, and everybody has the power to do that. Right. Thank you. You've lived Thank this you, today. Lee. 
Robert, thanks for coming on. Guys, check it out at thehiddenlight.com. Until next time, peace, passion, and purpose. See you soon. Thanks, guys, for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed what you heard. I hope you love what you're hearing. If you like this episode, guys, or any of the episodes that you're listening to here at The Hidden Why, please do me a favor by sharing it. You can share it with your families. You can share it with your loved ones. You can do that by using your favorite social media channels using the icons on the platform that you're listening to The Hidden Why podcast. Also, guys, if you're a fan of the show, please connect with me. Connect with me at thehiddenwide.com. I love to hear from you. I love to converse with the people that listen to this show to find out what they enjoy, what they don't enjoy, and perhaps if they have any questions or feedback for the show as well. You can stay up to date with all that I'm releasing here, guys. I do a solo show every Monday, a three-minute thought every Thursday. I do two interviews a week on a Wednesday and a Saturday, and a book review every Friday. You can stay up to date with all that by subscribing to my newsletter at thehiddenwire.com. Just enter your email address there, and also subscribing to the podcast on the platform that you choose to listen to your podcast. You can also support the show, guys, by using the Amazon links at thehiddenwire.com. So if you like books, you can get all the books that I review there um, and anything else, really, that you like to purchase through Amazon. So use that link. It helps support the show. And we've also got a deal with Audible, guys. Audible is a fantastic way to listen to all your favorite books. We've got a deal with them so you can get two free books when you subscribe or, yeah, subscribe to a 30-day free trial. So check that out, again, at thehiddenwire.com. Guys, that's it from me. You know what to do. Go out there. Breathe more passion into every single moment. Do everything with greater purpose and in doing so you will discover your hidden why this is the hidden why my name is Lee Martin Lutzi. until next time peace passion and purpose see you soon